0: This is a Federal News Network podcast.
1: The General Services Administration will finally pull the plug on the use of Dun & Bradstreet numbers and fully move to a brand new identifier for contractors called the Unique Entity Identifier, UEI. Mimi Whitehead is the Deputy Assistant Commissioner of GSA's Integrated Award Environment. She tells Executive Editor Jason Miller about what this six-year effort will mean, though, for agencies and contractors.
0: On April 4th, uh, in accordance with OMB's direction, all federal agencies will stop using the DUNS number, which was from Dun & Bradstreet, to uniquely identify entities as they make and manage federal awards. Instead of the DUNS number, agencies will use the unique entity ID, which is a government-owned identifier generated in SAM.gov. So all agencies are responsible for implementing this change in their systems and across their business processes. At GSA we've prepared our systems for the transition. So on April 4th for us, the DUNS number will be gone from our systems and the SAM generated unique entity ID will be the authoritative identifier. This really is, um, it's just one of the biggest, most complex federal IT transitions in decades. So a lot is happening on April 4th.
1: You talk about GSA systems, but that's also up to the agency systems. You've been working with agencies. This is not new to them. They should know about this. Have you heard from them that they're, they're also updating their, their systems to prepare for the UEI? Yeah, we've given
0: agencies uh, an incredibly long lead time. We've had a parallel operating environment for over six months where the agencies have had both the DUNS number and the unique entity ID available in all of the IAE systems, the integrated award environment. They've been able to send, receive tests that's allowed them to plan the timing of their own transitions. Even before that, we've been communicating with them, sharing the specifications. This really has been a multi-year project and a multi-year transition.
1: I remember going back and writing about this in 2015, 2016. And I remember writing stories about, is GSA going to dump DUNS, right? Is it getting close? And and the reason why this is such a big deal is because the DUNS number was required that vendors would pay money and, and GSA would pay money. And so this is, this is not just about money savings, but it's also simplifying the process. What is the big benefit here of moving to, from Dunn's to UEI?
0: So there are a couple of different benefits. The vendors were actually not required to pay money to Dun and Bradstreet themselves. The government had a contract with Dun and Bradstreet. We picked up that cost. You know, we provided that service for them, so they could get a Dun's number for free. The benefit that we see from the user perspective is that it's going to be more convenient. They're not going to have to go to multiple sites. They're not going to have to interact with a third party directly. They're going to be able to go to SAM.gov, provide the information, request the unique entity ID, get the entity validation done, and and move on with whatever else they need to do, whether it's completing the entire entity registration or if they're just a, a subcontractor, maybe that's all they need. But that convenience factor, that ease of experience is something that we're really looking forward to providing. From the government's perspective, it allowed us, since you've been following the history, you know that there was a, a policy foundation we had to do first, where we did have to remove, and we, I mean, the entire government, had to remove the specific references to Dun Street from the policy itself that allowed us to compete the validation and then decouple the fact that we were having an identifier, the thing that, you know, connects to the entity from the validation service on the back end. So it's a good thing over time that allows, you know, increases competition. It removes the proprietary nature of the identifier and really means that no matter who in the future were to provide the service, this huge giant government-wide change only has to happen once.
1: I think the convenience factors, it's hugely important for vendors. It simplifies how they can kind of do business with government. And, and obviously something we've seen from the Biden administration more broadly is try to get more folks in the industrial base. Is that also kind of a secondary effect of this? I mean, this may be not why you started or GSA started down this path, but do you see this as a, a kind of a secondary positive effect?
0: It certainly will be one step towards reducing kind of that barrier to entry because it'll be easier to explain, easier to walk someone through the process. You know, you're going to go here. Everything you need to know about getting started doing business with the government is here. It's, instead of having to guess and go around, you're just, it is, it is a more convenient experience.
1: You also said at the beginning that this is uh, one of the biggest transitions around uh, for government in, in a long time. How big of a lift was this for GSA? I mean, it's taken years. What's taken so long? Why, is, why was this such a big lift?
0: The identifier, whether it's the DUNS number or now the unique NAID, that thing connects every piece of the federal award lifecycle, right? So whether it's a procurement system that's actually writing up the contract, whether it's a, a grant management system that's processing a grant award, whether it's a system that's advertising opportunities for a grant and requiring access to come into that system, Whether it's a transparency site that's showing the relationship between different uh, awards and and different agencies, procurement, financial assistance, and financial management, every federal system touches the identifier. So when you're talking about taking out one identifier and replacing it with another, it's not just, so our systems are upstream, right? SAM.gov is kind of the the start of the, the process All of the systems downstream had to make their changes. All of the systems downstream had to plan, prepare, develop, test, do all the work that we're doing across every single agency in all of
1: those different domains. It's kind of crazy if you think about how much had to get done to get to where we are today, which explains well why it's taken a few years to get there. Do you get a sense of, because you've been running the parallel systems, how has it worked over the last six months or so? Have you had to make some tweaks, some changes because, uh uh-oh, we didn't know that that would happen? How's it been over the last six months?
0: It's actually been really interesting. It's been great watching systems come online and make those connections. It's been super exciting watching the successful tests, watching data go from system A to system B and back again. Obviously, it's a, a nonstop learning experience and we have certainly uh, identified things and worked through them with the interfacing systems as they're preparing themselves for the change as well.
1: Have you had so, any challenges that you didn't expect that you had to overcome? Was there any tweaks you've had to make to the use of the UEI, whether on GSA systems or maybe you learned something that agencies had to tweak?
0: For the identifier itself, the, the designing of the 12-character alphanumeric, you know, it's different than having just nine, nine numbers. Now you've got this sort of longer- 12 character string. So from the technical perspective, the agencies worked together to develop and and design that. And so that was a really good process. That was very interesting to watch, interesting to be a part of having the agencies come together and talk about what it needed to do, how they needed to do it, making sure that there wasn't overlap with other identifiers, you know, like the social security number. I mean, you had to make it different enough that it could be truly unique. So that was interesting. Obviously we had to create the thing to build the identifier, right? There's a generator in the back end. So you had to do that piece, just learning and peeling back the, the layers of the onion to find all the different places where the DUNS number was used and knowing that that had to have a parallel you know, insertion of a unique entity ID and just working through the testing process. I mean, it's, it's been fascinating Certainly, stressful at times, but we've got a, a really great team, and the agencies have been, have been great to work with.
1: Mimi Whitehead is the Deputy Assistant Commissioner of GSA's Integrated Award Environment, speaking with Federal News Network's Jason Miller. Check out Jason's story at federalnewsnetwork.com.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. And today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Melissa Bradley, the founder and managing partner. At 1863 Ventures, an investment company focused on bridging entrepreneurship and racial equity and accelerating new majority entrepreneurs from high potential to high growth. Additionally, Melissa is co-founder of Venture backed Eureka, a community where small businesses gain unprecedented access to the expertise needed to grow their businesses and has more than 20 years of entrepreneurship, investment, and leadership experience. Melissa, welcome, and thank you for being here.
3: My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
2: Who is the first person that you remember looking up to as a leader, and what was it about them that inspired you?
3: So there are actually two people. Um, The first person, personally, was my mom. Uh, She was a single parent, and what I realized is that she was the leader of our household, but she was also the leader of our community. Um, She was a staunch advocate for children's rights in public schools, making sure that we got a quality education. She was a staunch advocate around rights for renters. Um, We were not in a financial position that we actually ever owned a home, uh, but she made sure that people who lived in various types of housing black communities experience and to phrase it in a way not based on anger, but really using data. And so I would say I've consistently been a staunch advocate for black and brown communities, but has evolved from being very reactive and saying, well, don't do this and don't do that, to saying let me explain to you why I think it's important that we take this up and really letting the facts drive the discussion. Some of that probably comes from the fact that I've worked in two presidential administrations and we all know that that just goes back and forth and often. Sometimes based on rhetoric and not fact and having six kids in a world of social media, I think there's something, the, the art of, of conversation based on facts and data has devolved to uh, opinions and pundits. And, and I think that's a challenge around leadership because your job is not in my mind to convince people, but to inform people and allow them to make decisions for themselves.
2: I, I saw you on a post uh, with the Washington post post, um... Uh, interview and it it you were amazing and it it's interesting to listen to you describe what you just said because I could see all of that reflected in how you responded there and um, make one other quick uh, comment about as a company grows, WEpa is growing as well and you are so spot on we have as as leaders we have to let go and trust those people that work for us and empower them to do their job and then